0: Well, hello. We're going to do Revelation chapter four today. Um, I've gotten a few hundred requests to do, to continue the Revelation series. And because I love you, and because you asked, we will. Now, for those of you that have not seen the coverage, the sermons for the first three chapters of Revelation, uh, I'm going to ask you to go find those, but I'm not going to move them over here. They are on the YouTube channel called Fourth Avenue Church of Christ. not going to move them for a couple of reasons, but the main reason is I love Fourth Avenue and they belong to Fourth Avenue. So that's where they're going to be. So you'll need to go over there. That's a YouTube channel called Fourth Avenue Church of Christ. This is my personal page. I have created another page that we will move this new one and the next Revelation series and a bunch of Christmas shows as we hit Advent. We'll do all of that on a new channel. So stay tuned. But right now, Revelation chapter four, and the first three chapters. uh, The first chapter is the first part of the book. Uh, It sets it all up, things that are and things that will be, and how it's going to be signified and to whom it is written. And then those people to whom it was written, the seven churches in Asia, in chapter two and chapter three, They're given their pluses and minuses and how God views them. It's a a fascinating look. And I really need you to know that material before you come into this one. And if you didn't, and if you just wanna keep listening, fair enough. But But get this, that this book was not written to us. It was written for us. It does not help Christians in the first century who are about to come under a massive persecution, and who are already suffering, to hear a book about something which is going to happen in a rich white place a long time in the future. This is about them. But we can learn from them because there are certain eternities that are given here. Eternal truths and eternal realities. So that's what I call eternities. These are things that were and that are and that will be. And if we're going to come under persecution of any kind, well then, We best know this material. It's not going to tell us which president to elect or whether the queen will die or whether there's a missile strike somewhere in North Korea. What it will tell us is who is the real king, who is the real ruler of the universe. They don't come from London. They don't come from Washington. They don't come from Moscow. We could play that game all the way through, couldn't we? It comes from God. And although we do not see his throne room, we are allowed in a couple of times. Chapter four, chapter five, chapter six, and chapter seven gives you something which most humans were not allowed to see. When Daniel saw some things, the angel said, don't talk about that. Whenever Paul had a well he died it seems maybe even a near-death experience but whatever it is he came back and he said i saw things it is not lawful for man to speak there are even a couple times in revelation where the revelator is about to write something and the angel goes no but in chapter four we get allowed into the big room we get to see what the others could not write about all right so you ready it's more like a Bible class here. Uh, so I'm looking up here and down here, so I hope it works for you. Chapter 4. After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. Always a good sign. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I'll show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. I love the someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had an appearance of this is important okay catch this very much like the first chapter of ezekiel i always like to have people go there and circle all of the like and the manner of because you don't have words for this what this man's about to see when john goes up into heaven in the spirit there are not words for the colors the shapes the light and therefore he has to use his words and so he's going to use a bunch of jewels and a bunch of like so please understand that in heaven the streets are not paved with gold that's what it looks like but gold is material it's not what's up there and that the gates are made out of pearl it's about the colors it's about the way they focus and move as you're moving it's you got to use the words you've got these are the words he has he said thunder he didn't say like a, like a spaceship, you know, blasting off from Cape Canaveral, because he didn't have those words. Thunder was about the loudest thing or gong, something like that. So again, these are symbols, All right, Ready? Um, there is an appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. Well, emeralds aren't rainbow colored, but we get the idea, right? Read it fast. Do not analyze. Read it fast three or four times then you come back and have a look. surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones and seated on them were the 24 elders i used to kid my elders in a couple churches i've served that only 24 elders are going to make it to heaven so they would best you know shape up or they might not make the cut they knew i was kidding of course i'm kidding these are symbolic the word 12 and to uh, the jews of this time had a meaning, and it meant a particular set, a a nation, and a group. We'll talk more about that when we do chapter six. Uh, We're going to do a lot about numbers there. And by the way, we've got some very good people who are trying to set up a little place where I can even have PowerPoint off to the side. So we we shall see. Right now, by the way, I'm not at home. I'm in a hotel in Knoxville, Tennessee. And I angled it up so that you would think I keep my room neat, which I do, as far as you know. The 24 elders, they were dressed in white, had crowns of gold on their head. From the throne, I love this drama stuff, came flashes of lightning, rumbles, and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps are blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also, in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. Let's stop just a minute because we don't want to go past this. Again, chapter six. We're going to take a good look at the numbers and what numbers meant to the Jews and how they used numbers as symbols. We use numbers as as um, indicators of quantity, but they did not. For example, the scripture says, that God says in the scripture, um, "The cattle on a thousand hills are mine." I gotta think He owns all of them, and there are probably more than a thousand hills on a planet. Thousand was just their way of saying. The entirety that's all if, if it's ever made you wonder how god always dealt with people in even numbers like three thousand baptized five thousand fed you need to understand that they did not use numbers like we do they were not accountants they were not scientists they were not western europeans their numbers meant something to them we need to find out what that it that what that was and apply it here so we can get any lessons we can seven is another number. By the way, 24, most people believe, and I think they're probably right, that the 24 stands for the 12 disciples and the 12 tribes of Israel. You do have to, however, uh, be very aware that there were more than 12 apostles, and the number of the tribes of Israel kept changing because some went in, some went out, one split. It doesn't matter. They're not going for accountancy balancing here. They're trying to convey information understood by the listener. He that has ears to hear, let him hear. Most people would not read this book. They would have to listen to this book. Okay. So they're listening and they get the 12 and the 12. What do they think of? Patriarchs. They think of apostles. They they think of the tribes of Israel. That's what he's talking about. God's people are in heaven and they are crowned. The leaders that they love the jewish people love and are following and the early christians were mainly jewish and they are following it's good to know our guys are up there and they've got a crown on that's that's terrific but the seven spirits of god probably probably out of isaiah um the seven spirits of god uh let me just go here i'll pull that up um in isaiah there, there is a mention of who God is. Let me get that. Oh, there it is. I knew I had it here. Isaiah eleven, twelve. 12. Uh, the sevenfold God. It says the seven, um, sevenfold spirits of God in some of the old versions. Isaiah eleven, twelve. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom, understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. That is most probably what this seven... So it's not a being, it's a reality. It's and really you can say God is a is a person and in the sense that he has a, a defined being, but he he is the ultimate reality behind all of our temporary realities. You quantum physicists are nodding your heads about now. Well. They're all in front of God, and there's a sea of glass. Normally, a sea of glass in uh, Jewish tradition means that you're um, you're talking about the nations or a large group of people. In the center around the throne were four living creatures. Okay, these are cool. And they were covered with eyes in front and back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. That like, like, as, unto. to... The fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. By the way, saying that phrase to yourself a few times a day actually does help keep your feet pointed the right direction. Okay. All right. All of that said, what's going on now? who are these creatures it's interesting you you get to where people really want to define who the creatures are um i'm not really sure that's what we're supposed to be doing here but it's all right ezekiel describes very similar creatures but they have a different kind of face a bit and you will find that some uh, like in uh, isaiah look very very similar but they have a different number of wings should this, and, and a lot of people say, well, this was the seraphim, that was the cherubim. Um, maybe. By the way, they call them bum on the end or seraphs because in Hebrew, to make something plural, you add either an ut to the end of it or an im, according to whether it's female or male. So instead of cherub, if you have two cherubs, it's cherubim or cherubim. I think a lot of the modern versions are just saying cherubs and seraphs. Regardless, uh, one set is slightly different than the other, and it does seem that some, there is some overlap. In the Old Testament, whenever you see thunder and lightning and smoke and earthquake, such as when they rededicated the temple or opened a temple, it is, it's noticed that God is coming in, and the seraphs and the cherubs always precede him. There's really no human cognate for this. I can't really say like a bodyguard or clearing the area, but they certainly do that. Um, He doesn't need a bodyguard, but they clear the area and make sure everybody's eyes are focused on God. So that's where we're going to focus. We're going to focus on God and not on the, the seraphs and the cherubs. They are giving glory before God. They give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever. The 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and who worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay down their their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. I work with atheists a lot and uh, really enjoy it. Uh, most of them are honest, um, most of them are kind. Uh, they're good neighbors. They um, they sometimes ask me questions. And one of the questions that I've gotten a few times is, is God an egotist? That is he such an, a narcissist that he has to have these beings float around him 24-7, as if there were 24s and 7s. And, clocks in heaven, just to tell him how great he is? Well, I, um, I think it's a fair question. It really is. Because on earth, when you see people you know, following a, a rap star or a sports star or a music star, what are they telling them? They're telling them, you're fantastic. You're fantastic. You're the best. We love you. Whatever you want. Whatever you want. No, that's not what's going on here. I want I to do it a different way. Uh, I'm not a, a big amusement park guy, but I'll go. You know, with the team groups that I, um, sometimes I'm there at the time, and, and certainly when the grands want to go, if um, if I can go, I'll go. But I will tell you something about me. It's not true about everybody. Um, I've seen Disneyland. I've seen Disney World. I'm not seen all of it. it. Keeps getting bigger. But let's just play with this. The first time you walk in, it's like, whoa. How how do you manage this? After you've gone five, six, seven times, I haven't done this, I have friends. Five, six, seven times, you learn the ropes. You know where to go, what to start doing, what tickets to get, what kind of passes to have. It becomes this really, it's still fun. In fact, it could even be more fun because you've got it all sorted out, but it's not the same. Well, well, how can I say that? Because they still love going. Yes, they do. But that initial whoa has turned into more of a, okay, we're having fun now. You never get over God. When we see him, it's not like he's paying us to tell him how great he is. It's just like, whoa. And we can't, we, we, we just, we have no words. You will never be able to look at God without going, Holy, 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 is the Lord God Almighty. That is just, it's just—it's going to be such a stark difference from everything else in the universe. So it isn't—it um, isn't them feeding an ego; it is them speaking truth—a truth that never wears out, never loses its power, never gets old. That last verse: "You are worthy, O Lord and God." to receive honor and power. Glory, honor, and power. Three is very important to the Jews. Again, wait till chapter six. For you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. Or we're about to see a whole lot more, but that's in chapter five. That'll be another day. There may be another background, another hotel room or my own house or my deck outside. Although, to be honest, I love my deck outside, but as soon as I walk out there, it's a signal for every, single neighbor to launch their lawn equipment so i may have to be inside thank you please remember fourth avenue church of christ webpage has the early sermons we're not going to put those here this is just for um, continuing the revelation series since hundreds asked me to uh, via email text to phone calls i just cannot believe how kind you guys have been it has been a difficult week but you are are amazing. And no matter what city I end up living in and no matter what kind of place and job I've got to do, I'm gonna try very hard to stick with you and to keep this series going for you and just to stay in touch. All right, God bless you. Please share this with other people who might want to know and uh, stay tuned. We've We've got some ideas coming down the pike. God bless, cheers.